welcome to another episode of In Another World. I am your host, Zachary Landolt, and today I am so happy to have you here to talk about one of my favorite things in this entire world. No, it's not a great movie. It's not a stunning actress. It's none of those things. Today, it's actually about quite the opposite, about bad movies with bad performances, but still performances that are illuminating in a whole different way, and films that are great just in an unintentional way. And I was so happy to have two of my closest friends on the show to talk about this with, because we... Well, we regularly watch bad movies. It's it's not it's not uncommon that we go into that. But before I go into the episode, I just want to thank everyone that has been following and engaging on Instagram and Twitter, meeting all sorts of cool new people. Um, yeah, if you want to follow the pod, I mentioned again at the end, but you can follow on Instagram at In Another World Pod or at Twitter at IAW Podcast. So, without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Alan Law and Samantha LeBrock, power couple who are total gems to hang out with. And later in the show, I will be playing a very fun um, version of the Newlyweds game. Um, we'll, it's, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> let's go. Listeners, today's guests are the hip performing artist power couple that everyone loves. We've acted on stage together, and more importantly, we've watched many movies together, and not all of them good ones. As a couple, they regularly partake from the bad movie category. Movies that go so wrong that they start to loop around back to being right again. I happen to love a bad movie myself, so it seemed like a no-brainer to have them here to go into a discussion on the bad movies we love. Please welcome to the show, Alan Law, and welcome back to the show, Samantha LeBrock. Hello, Zachary. Hello, Alan. Hello. 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 Very happy to be here to talk about uh, bad movies. We were saying last night, we're like, we've been watching a lot of bad movies lately and really good TV. I think that's the perfect balance. Yeah, you need a little a little something good and a little something sour. It makes it all uh meshed well together in your brain. Like a, like a sour patch kid. Yeah, I just Yeah. Like, um sometimes I just feel like bad movies are the easiest for my anxiety. Like mm. I'm not really worried in a bad movie. <laughs> like I I'm like I have no stakes in this. It's all going to be okay. Well, the the bad movie quality it matches the quality of this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all just seems like uh, a <laughs> what? Oh yeah, once murder hornets are introduced, you're like, all right, they've gone too far. Oh my, or a sharknado. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, so well, so for the listeners, I will not pretend like we don't see each other all the time. Uh, we are in each other's uh, social pod, as it were, for this year. So uh, you're one of the only few people that I've actually seen during this year. Yeah. So what I, I could ask this, but I, I actually don't know the entire answer. But what have you been watching or listening to lately? Uh, watching a lot of. So we've been going along with how did this get made? Uh, another of our favorite podcasts. Oh, and yeah. sort of watching along with them and going through their back catalog and finding their bad movies because it's fun to watch a bad movie, but it's also really fun to talk about how bad the movie is or listen. To oh yeah. Talk about it. 
um, and listening to uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of classic rock because uh, we'll just put on the radio station and it seems to be um, something that's far enough removed from our current reality. Oh yeah, because it's too weird when you're listening to like a pop music radio station and they're like in these trying times <laughs> and, and then it's like with like a bunch of like sirens over it i can't do it um it's too it's too weird and dystopian for me yeah so we've been doing that we just watched all of american gods um we both read oh, the yeah. book mm-hmm. uh and then we took our own trip to see rock city to see Rock City, yeah, a couple years ago, and so we just—I uh, hadn't watched the show yet, so we just kind of binge watched the the entire first two seasons. Uh, so Samantha, you have been here before, but this is Alan's first time, and we do a segment called "Your Birth in Pop Culture." Oh boy, I've been yes. waiting for this one. <laughs> yes, this is when I take your date of birth uh-huh. and I. Uh, implant it into pop culture history and find out what was going on the day you entered this world. Um, I do have more facts for Samantha, but it's usually the number one movie and the number one song. Okay. So the number one song was Could Have Been by Tiffany. Remember Tiffany? Oh. Tiffany? No, Tiffany? She did Walters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was... Oh, I love that she was just like, I'll go by Tiffany. I'll do that Madonna thing. Just... I'll be Tiffany. She's known for Maltors? Yeah. She did do Maltors. She did, like, a like big mall. I would say, like, she was probably, like, the biggest pop star who did Maltors. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that's probably right. (laughs) Thank you. Like her, like her, like we're like we all we know her music today. Despite now, I will say I think the mall tour uh, is what sort of helped her because she kind of made herself seem more like Middle America. Like, yeah, you can relate to me because I'm just Tiffany, just the girl next door, Tiffany. Yeah, I think we're alone now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you might see me at your local mall. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, and your number one movie was Good Morning Vietnam, starring Robin Williams. Touchstone Pictures presents Robin Williams as Airman Adrian Cronauer, the wrong person. Very attractive man, ever saw. Don't think I haven't noticed. In the wrong place. This will not look good on a resume! At the right time. Good morning, Which, upon researching this, was number one at the box office for nine weeks in a row. Dang. Nine weeks. Nine times. Nine times. That's pretty, well, so this is, my birthday's in February, so. Yeah. That is also, like, that beginning of the year, which is always an interesting time to have. Dead time. Theaters, right, right. And to have Good Morning Vietnam, people are like, yeah, let's go see Robin Williams again. Because you still know. Well, yeah, I looked it up, and like for that time, like, this is like, you know, 1988, it made, I think, like $200 million, which is like truly crazy. That's like, that's, that's good for now. There's so I'm just like, damn, y'all. Uh, and so for Sam, you've already been here, yeah. but I don't want to leave you out because that's okay. just not fair. So uh, you're April 18th, 1991. 
uh, we've already gone over your number one song, number one movie. I remember your song was You're in Love by Wilson Phillips. And then it's a Steven Seagal movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So for I, more facts, <laughs> yeah. the number one album on the Billboard charts was Mariah Carey's uh, self-titled Mariah Carey album. To get into Mariah Carey's superb debut album, one. The new hit. Get to know the world's hottest new star, Grammy Award winning Mariah Carey. Out now. Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey. Okay. That's a great one. And I also just researched who were the statistically biggest movie stars of that time when you were entering this world. Uh, they were Robin Williams for actor and Julia Roberts for actress. Wow. I, th- I had a feeling it was going to be Julia Roberts. And I'm t- oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Wow. Come yeah. on. When did Hook come out? I think 1991. Wow. Yeah. I Thank believe you. so. Because that's probably what did it. Probably between that and Good Morning Vietnam. They're probably. <laughs> they were like, ooh, money. <laughs> He's silly. Uh, there was something that was like coming soon, like a Robin Williams documentary about his final days. I was like, that is the last. Oh, yeah, no. Watch. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. No, no. There was a really good documentary about him on HBO a few years ago. Where I think it was just like different people he worked with, like made basically like a a tribute documentary to him. And I don't need anything more than that. Because that was like lovely. It was like, it was more like, let's look back at his whole career. And like, I think they touched on the end of his life, but they didn't like linger on that because they purposefully didn't want that to be the last thing that people remembered from watching this. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't need to wallow in the 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 pain and right. uh depression of Robin Williams. I don't need that. Yeah, I'd like to remember him as nineteen eighty eight Robin Williams. Number one movie star. Number one movie star. <laughs> it's weird to think about a time where like Robin Williams was the number one like movie star. Uh yeah, a uh, pretty unconventional like, not, I mean, good-looking, but not incredibly handsome. You know, he's not, uh, for example, Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> Number one movie star of 2020. <laughs> uh, way to pick that current Rethy, Alan. <laughs> he's not like uh, Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's not like a, a Ronald Reagan type. He's not like a, like a Nicolas Cage. Not a, a Rock Hudson, but... <laughs> a Rock Hudson. <laughs> He's not like a like a Montgomery Cliff. There you go. Oh, Montgomery. <laughs> He's no Clark Gable. <laughs> so, I don't even know. So, we're here to talk about bad movies. That is what we're here to do. I don't even know, like, a way to just just start. F- I guess, what do you, what are the common traits for you of a bad movie like what do you what do you see well, as the common threads well i so, saw okay so i think there i i think i've always liked bad movies my dad has really bad taste in movies but just like <laughs> like genuinely likes them and that's my dad as well because and i figured it out when i was thinking about it he loves like spectacle and tropes and what i don't think he cares about are 
rules of the universe and mm. plot holes, <laughs> which is like something mm. that took me a long time because I watched so many bad movies. I wouldn't realize when I was watching good movies how things were connecting. And I feel like my my early early stages of watching so many bad movies led me to a lack of like cinematic comprehension mm. that I had to learn <laughs> later and then go back and realize, oh, look at how much sense this does not make. Yeah. So, like, to me, it's like a bad movie either sets up and breaks the, its own rules of its universe <laughs> or um, just doesn't seem to follow consistent rules. They also play into tropes over spectacle, um, tropes and spectacle, and uh, leave room for plot holes. Mm. What was weird just listening to one where it was like um, the 24 second rule, where it's like you don't want the audience trying to put together the plot for longer than 24 <laughs> seconds. Ooh. How specific? 24. Yeah. 24 yeah, seconds. Yeah. Not 30. I think that was from the producers of Mannequin 2. Oh, no, I think that was... <laughs> that was no, from the Apple? No, I think that was Mannequin 2. It was right. Mannequin Yeah. Well, well, it's funny because I feel like with bad movies, when you then watch a good movie, you think, oh, this is... This is really makes a lot of sense. This is really good. Um, and it's because you're not used to just things like naturally everything connects. You can like, piece yeah, it all together. Well, so we watched Money Plane, which is a very new movie. Money Plane! Money Plane! Uh, came out this year in 2020. And for me, it was the first time that I was like, oh, this is a bad movie because everybody working on it was bad. And I think... Oh. Yeah, well, because I think bad movie and like cheap movie sometimes are together like sometimes it's a matter of money and mm, yeah. money plane with money plane um you could see like every single department the lighting department the sound department the music oh. the acting the writing the direction it was all bad and like you watch money plane and you can see like there's this one shot that's supposed to be like at a later point in the day, you know, it's supposed to be dark out, but it's clear that they filmed it at like high noon. So the shadows are off, but it's darkened. So it looks like, so like things like that. And you're like, oh, they just darkened the footage? Yeah. 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 Oh, no. Like a blue filter. And so oh. Every single department wasn't very good at their job. And you can see it throughout the movie. And maybe it's because, you know, they didn't spend a lot of money on it. But I mean, here's the big question What's the difference between a bad movie, and an independent movie. <laughs> <laughs> Taste. <laughs> Taste. Right? Because there's a lot. Well, because here's the thing. I don't think lack of money always means something is bad because yeah. there are some movies where later you find out, wow, they made that whole movie for like a million dollars. Like, holy cow. So I think if you're a good enough artist, you can find a way to tap into the creative side of your brain to do problem solving for a lack of budget whereas other people um i don't want to say they're not as creative but they uh they don't make up for the lack of funds as well is right. what i would say yeah so i don't think they're necessarily one means the other like if you don't have enough money it doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna make a bad movie um and a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean you're making a good movie either <laughs> I mean, was it that movie um, with John Travolta, 90, uh, Battlefield Earth, is that what it was oh, called? Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Scientology nonsense sci-fi movie? I thought you were going to say Wild Hogs. 
Oh no, not that. that my dad loves that movie. <laughs> I haven't watched that. Oh, it's a it's a bad movie, but on an expensive. Isn't it like Michael Douglas, John Travolta, Alan Alda, and Morgan Freeman? Um, that, Is that would be it? an incredible cast. But this well, I remember being like big deals where like, oh wow, look at that cast. Tim Allen, John Travolta. Oh. oh. Um. Oh, what's the guy from Shameless? William H. Macy. William H. Macy. Oh, okay. I totally got this cast wrong. <laughs> yeah. They're all like kicking motorcycles. They're all and like, Martin Lawrence. And Martin Lawrence. Ray all... Liotta. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I was not right at all. Um, I like my cast better. <laughs> yeah. I would watch that. But yeah. It, oh, yeah. A bad movie, a lot of money. I mean, just think about all those like big old male <laughs> movie stars. Oh, do I have to? You have to think that movie trash, but I'll watch Book Club with like Jane Fonda, Mary Seen Virgin, Diane Keaton, like Candace Bergen. Like, I'm like, ah, yeah, love that. Uh, yeah, obviously. No, like, I I mean, well, mostly because we make nothing but movies about old men, but where are the movies about the old ladies? Yeah, more old ladies. Like, oh, have you ever seen Calendar Girls with Helen Mirren and like all those British ladies? No. Oh, it's very good. Uh, but we're not here to talk about good movies. <laughs> but, um, oh, so uh, what is, the, when you were a child, can you remember the first time that you watched a movie and you went, oh, this isn't good? I think it was some, it was probably a Disney sequel. So, oh. yeah. So a lot of those Disney movies, because I was thinking about it when you had Nick on, and a lot of those Disney movies, like the first one's really good. Right, and then of course. I think it comes down to money again. The studio goes, "Oh, that made a lot of money," and so they do Little Mermaid two or um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame two. What um, is that oh, a thing? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my. Oh, it's. Um, I think Quasimodo ends up with the girl at the end, so you'll be happy about. Oh, that. nice. <laughs> but it's. Was uh, it Esmeralda? No, they just invented a whole new girl. Um, Was he another Hunchback? my name's sally sally hunchback (laughs) i I work at the cathedral across the street (laughs) (laughs) and she has like female gargoyle friends like hi i'm stacy so everybody ends up all the men end up with women yeah um the gargoyles get a girlfriend oh yeah yeah love that i like my movie better um yeah i think it's all like the disney sequels because you love the first one so much and then you see mm. the money grab sequel and you're like, oh, I didn't like that. Or like, it's always like the daughter. Like, I think that's The Little Mermaid too. Is like, is Ariel's daughter then is a human but decides she wants to be a mermaid? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sure. Well, I guess like it's like the the old trope: you can take the mermaid out of the ocean, but you can't take the ocean out of the sort of human thing. Now, isn't that true? Classic, classic, classic uh, phrase. For well, me, I think that um, I started. I remember clearly there being a point where I was like, "Oh, I'm going to seek out bad movies to watch," and the first one being um, the original Reefer Madness. Oh and yeah. Yeah, the black well, and white one. yeah, the black and white one. I, I remember getting it like on the Netflix mail in DVDs, and I had um, people over after junior prom. I did not go to junior prom. I just watched <laughs> bad movies until everybody else got out of prom, and then I was like, "Let's make pizza." 
<laughs> and that sounds fun. And I th- and like my mom was like, "Have everyone over," and we watched Free for Madness. And then I think yeah. that then I could go back. And I I mean I know I definitely at that point was watching like my like the kind of bad kids movies nostalgically. And the one that sticks <sighs> out most to me is the Alvin and the Chipmunks, where they race around the world in the hot air. Stop it. Wow. You stop it. Now, we're not t- calling that a bad movie. <laughs> I mean, well, I was going back to watch it, like, in a, in a nostalgia way. I mean, and I still would, because I love it. But, like, that's, I think that's what I started to do, was, like, to go back and watch things, like, as a, a teenager, like, going hmm. to college, that, like, were from a very, that I was watching when I was very young. And so... Another one um, would be Baby Geniuses. Oh my god! I loved oh. Baby Geniuses. I that movie scares it. the fuck out of me. Oh man! Oh, when the, the when they full on forget that uh, how to <sighs> communicate. Have you seen I've Baby Geniuses? Okay, seen it. so it's Ugh. basically no okay great <laughs> i haven't seen that <laughs> oh god um i love look who's talking i oh, hate baby geniuses i love baby geniuses they, oh. they have a group of babies and they okay. realize that babies are advanced <laughs> beyond their years until they learn how to talk and when they learn how to talk they lose all that genius, genius. Sure. and so it's about <laughs> trying to bridge that gap and it's this whole thing where like they realize that a baby's the other babies realize a baby's learning to talk and they're like, oh no. <laughs> we'll never see that baby's talking. Are the um, babies the star of the movie? Yes. yes. And they have Yes. And also Candace Bergen, right? Or is it Kathleen Turner? I think it's Kathleen Turner. Let me see. I haven't watched it in a long time because as I said before, I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it creeps me out. The way their mouths move, um, and just the, it's just, it, I don't like it. it. I don't like children in general, usually in movies. So, like, a whole movie starring babies, I don't want to. Uh, how do you feel about animals talking? Ugh, I hate it. Like, I really hate like, it. Don't, don't try to trick me, babe. Take no, fuck you, babe. Oh, actually, oh, okay, babe is kind of good. Um, but babe, they don't try to, like... Um, digitally enhance their mouths too much, so they still look pretty normal. But the ones where they try to like literally move their oh, mouths yeah. as if yeah. they're human mouths, that really that freaks me out. Yeah. Um, I always preferred animal movies where the animals were not actually even talking. Like, like Air Bud. People like to now remember that the dog talked in that movie. The dog does not talk. He just plays basketball. Get it right. <laughs> yeah, I like think come on. Ask from a golden retriever. Yeah, like he's not talking; he's just dribbling. Like, come on, get it, get it together. Uh, but to circle it back uh, to Chipmunk Adventure, because that was yeah. mentioned. That is okay. <laughs> that's a movie. Now I haven't watched it lately, to be to be real. But that was a movie I was obsessed, like obsessed with as a child. I must have watched the Chipmunk Adventure so many times. But I thought about it semi recently, actually. And I thought about, wow, the plot of that movie is this rich couple trick these chipmunks into smuggling diamonds into different countries all over the world. It's a truly... Oh yeah, crazy, and and they're well, drinking actually, a lot too. Whenever they cut to the old to the older couple, he's like drinking bloody marys, and he's like <laughs> they're just really greasy and yeah. kind of sleazy. Oh yeah, and at one point, like the girls are like, um, uh. 
the chipettes are promised to a prince. Like it gets dicey, but actually, <gasps> oh, I look at it, it does right. have a seventy-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which I feel is correct. I do absolutely love this movie, and um, I did want to be a different one of the chipettes at every time in my life. Oh, the reason I love it so much is I did used to watch the Alvin the Chipmunks. I was a real Alvin the Chipmunks nerd when I was a kid. I had like a lot of their tapes, all that, all the the, the soundtracks and stuff. I had all of that stuff, but. I liked the chipmunks, don't get me wrong. But when in the chipmunk adventure, I learned there were chipettes and that they were going to be equal parts of this movie. Mm -hmm. I was, well, that's when I was in. Because do you remember the number where, I think they're on the, like, um, they're on the the ruins in Rome and they're singing, uh, we are the boys, we are the girls of rock and roll. I've been singing it in my head since we started talking about it. I absolutely. We are the, yeah, all of that. And they do like a whole dance, like and the and the hot air balloons are taking off. Wow. Also, probably started my obsession with hot air balloons, despite the fact that I am terrified of heights and could never be in one. I would never get into a fucking hot air balloon. Like that's fucking stupid. <laughs> Just all the get in this large wicker basket and go up into the air, up, up, up. With flames. I don't like it. Oh, so. You know what's funny also? Do you ever have the thing where you loved a movie? Like, <laughs> genuinely loved a movie, and then later you see it on a bad movie list, and you go, oh, well, that that's not right. That's my favorite movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Spice World. <gasps> oh, stop. Yeah, like, oh. Spice World. Okay, well, okay. To be real, I know Spice World is not quote-unquote good. <laughs> but it, it, for what it is, it is great. It Like, the whole... You have to... This movie knows what it is when those aliens yeah. show up. Oh my god! Oh yeah. Well, and I, I recently, for whatever reason, um, I was watching the best of Victoria Beckham in Spice World, mm-hmm. and I'm convinced she gives the best comedic performance in that movie from this compilation video. Yeah, because I, there were so many things I'd forgotten, like when they're doing the obstacle course at that mansion. And then they show all the Spice Girls, like, crawling through these tunnels and then, like, pan out. And Victoria's just, like, walking around them in stilettos. I was like, that's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll say another one for me, um, which recently popped up on Bad Movie movie List, was Space Jam. Oh, those are great. Uh, Lola Bunny, another early icon for me. Lola Bunny. On this podcast before. Oh, Lola Bunny. When she walks into that gymnasium and you're like, who is that? I was like, does she's part of the cartoon? I like this now. Yeah, I remember finding out that Space Jam is apparently a bad movie. Um, <laughs> and I went, oh, I spent a lot of my childhood watching a bad movie. Yeah, I guess we still we still haven't nailed down what makes it bad, though. So it's not money. And sometimes well, for me, I guess for me... And I guess, I mean, here's the thing, and they're all so different. I think a bad movie, they're not always bad for the same reasons. But I do think a general uh, common thread I've noticed in a bad movie, and I think Samantha already kind of touched on this, but Mm. it's just that that script needed one more pass through some writers. Like, it needed someone else to look at it. Yeah, I think editing is such, editing can make or break, can truly make or break a movie, I think. Oh, yeah. you know, just cutting out the unnecessary, like there's a lot of like quick dialogue you could cut through if you're like, if you have a good editor who's like, oh, this scene is mm-hmm. extraneous. Or like this shot, yeah. if we do it a little closer, it's gonna, it's, you know, those like small tweaks, the lighting. Do you think, like, mm-hmm. do you think 
that we put too much emphasis on like on critics on like Rotten Tomatoes and be like, well, this is what a good movie mm-hmm. is because it's a seven and above. Yeah. And this is what a bad movie. Yes. Yes. We just talked about this with the new Charlie's Angels, which Zach told me to watch and I didn't watch it because of that stupid mm-hmm. people being like, it's not good. And I watched it and it, it was, was great. great. I had a great time. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, the whole Rotten Tomatoes of it all. There are times where I think you can pretty much trust a Rotten Tomatoes because I do sometimes think that if enough people go like, oh, we all watched this and we all thought it was awful, then like it, there must be something wrong with it. But I do think in cases like Charlie's Angels, for example, that to me is a movie that was critiqued on a level that had nothing to do with the movie. Now, I'm not saying Charlie's Angels remake was a perfect movie because I definitely had problems with it. But... I do think if you're going to see Charlie's Angels f- with the 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 base criteria of is it a entertaining popcorn movie that I'll have a fun time watching, then it's a good movie. Like, and that's all I think it was trying to be. It was a fun popcorn movie. Right. And I feel like people with Charlie's Angels, they immediately go, oh, a Charlie's Angels remake directed by a woman. Like, and I, I just think it gets this it's extra level of uh criticism that is unfair it's kind of similar to the uh female remake of ghostbusters which again not a perfect movie but i went to go see that movie and had a perfectly fun time watching it and people were like oh that movie is such trash and i'm like is it trash or is it just like a a fine popcorn movie because you don't care when like adam sandler puts out a whatever popcorn movie but this suddenly you're like an aficionado on film like it just it's seems unbalanced right where were uh, you when yeah. jack and jill was in theaters <laughs> oh god yeah jack and jill sorry alexis mateo oh no <laughs> oh no i've actually never seen that movie i've only ever watched clips and the clips were enough for me yeah i think did i did not need more than clips once again walking in and out of the room while my dad was watching it I just remember Adam Sandler as Jill just like be like, this is what I've been missing. Family time. <laughs> and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. And she had like a crush or Al Pacino had a crush on Jill. I was like, this is too much. This is too much. <laughs> oh, no, I did go see, speaking of bad Adam Sandler movies, um, I did go see, what was it? Oh, the one with Jennifer Aniston. Um, oh, um, just, just go with it. Do you ever that? Have you seen oh, that? No, we haven't seen it. I only went to see it because um, I had a free movie ticket, and for some reason I was going to use it on this, and the reason I did is because I found out that Nicole Kidman was in it. Amazing. And I thought, oh no, why is Nicole Kidman in an Adam Sandler movie? And I stupidly thought, oh, it must be like a good one. It must be like one of the better ones. Right. It was not. Yeah. It was not. Awesome. Make clear, not good. Us. Like, a star does not guarantee. Like, Adam Sandler, I mean, then you see Uncut Gems, and you're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And then, like, somebody like Al Pacino or Nicole Kidman, like, all these people that you're, like, pretty much guaranteed, you're like, oh, these are great actors, right? And then, <laughs> yeah. and then you don't <laughs> you don't enjoy the movie. Um, well, I think with Adam Sandler movies, from what I understand people get talked into being into them because one they're gonna get paid pretty well because they're usually very like well-financed movies and also it's usually adam sandler saying hey nicole kidman 
do you want to come out to Hawaii and like film this little small yeah. part? You can like bring the kids. Uh, you'll be here for like two weeks. You know, you'll get paid a million dollars. What do you say? And so you go, oh, yeah, okay, why not? So and like I think I heard Al Pacino only did that movie because he like owed money and back taxes or something. It was like some reason he just like was like, yeah, I'll make some money. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, like it so often comes down to that. Like so many of those bad movies, you actually find out were like tax havens. For the oh, like a little yeah. like, producers scenario. Um, oh, most of Adam Sandler's movies, I think, are just paid vacations. It's like yeah. they'll they'll write a script like, "Ooh, we should set this one in Africa because then we can go to Africa." <laughs> in... But Alan, Alan, what you have a favorite childhood film uh, that you've yeah. tried to get me to watch well, several guess, times? So right, we're not saying it's not always the stars. It's not always money, and I think. Sometimes uh, Hallmark movies fall into this category. Um, oh, mostly. Yeah, because everybody. Well, like when you think bad movie, a lot of times you think Christmas movie. You think Hallmark movie. Don't step on my territory. I have a whole section about this in <laughs> I my I notes. Got a section about Christmas. But oh, I, we got plenty of time. I don't think that's entirely fair because a lot of times those movies are actually really good. And like, not that Hallmark doesn't have a huge budget, but it's certainly not Netflix's budget, right? Um, and one of my favorites that I think is forgotten about, and I don't know if it necessarily falls into bad movie, but certainly falls into Hallmark Christmas movie, is mm. called Mrs. Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Santa Claus, um, which basically the plot is uh, Mrs. Santa Claus, married to Mr. Santa Claus, uh, <laughs> is not receiving the respect, attention, love that she deserved. Like, she creates this whole um new path for santa so he can get around the world more efficiently and he's like okay yeah. lady i've been doing this for a while mind your own and you're like such disrespect for mr santa claus right and uh, oh played by angela lansbury um and so mrs santa claus- oh right that was i was thinking it was um someone very different <laughs> it, was, it was not her but she i mean iconic for a lot of roles but her as mrs santa claus is like funny enough how i know her because oh well this is like a christmas tv movie but i remember we recorded it you know when you could record things on like a vhs tape and would watch it every christmas um it's do you know who wrote the score to that movie uh it's um hello dolly um yeah jerry herman jerry herman directed by terry hughes who actually directed like over 100 episodes of the golden girls Oh, the, that checks out the stage uh film version of sweeney todd um and just a really great cast and i think it shows you what you can do with not a lot of money right a great cast great writer <laughs> great director and and it's not like yeah i'm looking it up it only had a budget of 11 million dollars wow I mean, which really isn't that much money no um and so she she takes Anna's sleigh. She's like, all right, if I'm not going to get the respect that I deserve, I'm going to get out of the house for a little while. And it's like just before Christmas. She takes the sleigh. She crash lands in New York City. It's like 1910. And oh. um, she ends up getting involved with the suffragettes and uh, marches for the women's right to vote. Of course. Well, <laughs> yeah. As well as um, she gets a job at a toy factory. Um, but it's a bunch of kids working at the toy factory, so she gets involved with child labor movement. Oh yeah, but say, do they do they address that? Oh yeah, they do. And like, okay, okay. Um, so it's a, like it's a very 
almost feminist Mrs. Santa Claus doing her own thing out in, and it's a musical. Um, I think I've never seen this. I need to watch this. It's one of those Hallmark Christmas movies that doesn't deserve to be in the category of bad movie. It's a really good movie. We know what I think with that makes a lot of sense. That was that was Hallmark, yes? Yes. Well, who makes more sense to be on the Hallmark channel than Andrew Lansbury? <laughs> because I, I'm they played Murder, She Wrote reruns all the time on Hallmark anyway. So the audience already is like, oh, Andrew Lansbury, we trust her, nice old lady. So yeah. I, I think... The director of The Golden Girls. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I think the difference is, I'm sure when Andrew Lansbury was attached, she was like, oh, let's get Jerry Harmon. Let's get blah, 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 blah. And so like, there was actual like, artistry and i think i mean i think a good movie and a bad movie sometimes it just comes down to like are they good artists or are they not very good artists trying to make a good movie and god bless you know uh everyone's doing their best or at least they're they're trying to but sometimes it's just how much talent how much talent do the filmmakers have yeah and i'm sure nobody you know got rich off of that movie but for me, no, probably not. I remember from my childhood and like um, something that I really enjoyed and like a very different take on a Christmas movie, which these days are like, I gotta get a fiance by Christmas. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, I gotta get married by Christmas or I lose the farm. Oh, that's That's so many <laughs> movies on Hulu and Netflix. Um, but I, what I appreciate about a bad Christmas movie is that if you can, you can really go wild with it because Christmas involves magic. So we can actually, my favorite Christmas movies are ones that get into like hard fantasy. Mm -hmm. The basic like set is Christmas. Mm-hmm. So anything around Christmas. Anything around Anything Christmas. goes. As long as you say Christmas. As long as you say Christmas. So I actually have two from that we watched this year. Because I will watch bad Christmas movies all December. Oh, I know. Uh, I oh, I know. Them. And so this year we watched Perfect Christmas. <sighs> Which with, one was that? It's the one where this woman, her when she's like a teenager, her parents get divorced right around Christmas. And so she forces everyone together every year and they hate it. And she has this Irish Christmas village that she is obsessed with. Like a miniature. Like a miniature Christmas town. And she gets transported into the Christmas village where it's Christmas every day. And she has to live Christmas every day until she, um, and then, and then somehow her friend gets transported in there. It's, uh, that one is great for the magic element. There's, um they she like goes and buys a special piece from a witch who owns a store for haunted or there's always a witch pieces and um yeah she has to like she's like every day she has the perfect date with her dream guy and she gets sick of it uh is it like groundhog day yeah, I was going to say, that's Groundhog Day, but Christmas. Yeah, it's very oh. Groundhog Day, but Christmas. And uh, that one was great. I think that's something you get threatened with a lot of as a child, too. It's like, well, what if it was your birthday every day? Then you oh, I know. Cake, and you're like, hmm, try me. Or, yeah, I think when you were kids, like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. 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 And the other one, uh, Holly's Holiday, <gasps> actually from Ooh. 2012, I believe. And Is that the one we watched? 
It might be the one where the woman, she a mannequin, comes to life around Christmas and she starts dating him. And nope. then his his mannequin <laughs> girlfriend also comes to life and what? is trying to kill her. No. We nope, not the one I saw. Nope. <laughs> that sounds better. Because it is wild. Holly's holiday. Oh, it's wow. really that sounds like a it's, porn. This is one of those again, like lighting is bad, script no. is bad, like I oh, this yeah. what the performances, uh, particularly from some of them uh, are quite over the top, but very enjoyable. Absolutely. What was the one we watched where, like, the the gay friend was always just literally being called by the girl, and like they cut to him once, he was just working out in the gym, yes. and I was like, oh, oh what the gosh. fuck is that? That one, I it, think it was like uh, a newer the Christmas movie. wedding planner, I think. Yeah. That one, that that was some of my favorite. It's like. That one, it was supposed to be Christmas, but like she was at a bachelorette party and like there was a girl in a tank top and you just have an extra looking right into the camera. That's like, I think that's that movie was bad. I uh. think when you see, let's like everybody looks sweaty and you know, it's like some, I think some classic, like some like easy misses in a bad movie yeah. are like there aren't enough extras, everybody looks sweaty and nobody is dressed like they're going to the same event. Like, you know, just as, just like the extras have to bring in their own clothes and nobody, um, one girl has a tank top, one girl has a sweater, like, you know. But I think it's this mentality of like, ah, it's good enough, you know, yeah. ah, it's just a silly Christmas. Maybe she was hot, so she took off her sweater, and so she's wearing a tank top. Right. It's like, where is the artistry? Yeah. Well, another thing with, yeah. with bad movies is uh, sort of... And and not all bad movies go into this, but some bad movies are so, they're told so sincerely, like, they think they're making a good movie. Like, they think they're making, like, an Oscar movie. Right. Um, and so it's it's played very, uh, very authentically by the performers, but it just falls into camp. Like, it goes into the camp category. Yeah. Um, like, for the one I think of, of mostly as mommy dearest like they thought they were making an oscar movie yeah but it wasn't <laughs> you're told over and over you're like well this could be it yeah but it just well i mean you think like oh faye dunaway like movie star faye dunaway playing joan crawford like this is gonna be this is gonna be something and then you watch the movie and you go oh no <laughs> oh wow but we we watched that one together yes yes we did yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, I mean, but here's the thing: that movie, not a good movie. Well, not a good movie. Absolutely not a good movie. But do I enjoy watching that movie? Absolutely, all yeah. the time. Yeah. I can quote like my, like when she picks up the daughter from the private school and she's like, "I should have known. You know where to find the boys and the booze." <laughs> just all of that. All of that's fun. Also, like no shame in enjoying what other people might consider a bad movie. Like if you like it. You know, yeah. all those Christmas movies were like, let's just watch one every day of December because it's a good time. Because I have a good time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's like a bad, I think a bad movie doesn't necessarily mean it's an unwatchable movie. It just means right. you as an intellectual human go, hmm, this is not good, but I enjoy it. So we were watching all these bad movies and I said to Sam, well, we got to even it out. We got to watch a really good movie. And so I was like, well, what are the movies that have won like the best Oscars, right? What's um, the ones that have won the big five uh, yeah. are One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, 
mm. Silence of the Lambs, and great. Return of the King, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Oh really? Ugh. Oh yeah. And so like, I wasn't like, and I wasn't about to just like pop on one flew over the cuckoo's nest because no. it didn't fit. You know, it was like nine o'clock at night. And you're like, this isn't what I want to get into right now. <laughs> I never want to watch that movie. Right. So sometimes a bad movie is so much more enjoyable than quote unquote a good movie. We like. I'd rather watch Batman and Robin than Schindler's List. Uh. Yeah. If you're if you're a, rolling up to a party, like, all right, everybody, I got it on DVD. Schindler's List. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because I remember. You know, have you ever had the thing where when you were a child, you watched a movie, and you just had the sheer enjoyment of it, like, yeah, I love this movie. And then you grow up and you find out that that was not that was like a notoriously like panned by critics at that same time and you think wow i was living in a whole other reality <laughs> like batman and robin yeah no yeah, you know yeah. i absolutely love that's my dad's favorite batman movie wow like unironically he's not like being like who's my favorite like he it's his favorite batman and robin's the neon nipples one right yeah it's the joel schumacher it's almost a musical like someone almost probably broke in a song a couple of times yeah yeah I just like the characters and I like the colors and I liked, yeah. I love Uma Thurman. Yeah. I just, I just loved that. It was, especially the kid was just more watchable to me. Well, and here's the thing as a little gay kid, Batman and Robin, it's made by first of all, homosexual, homosexual, um, unsurprisingly. And so that movie was just the height of camp in a way that you didn't get a lot from movies anymore. Like, the I mean like the whole like the this the strip tease scene where she's like stripping off the gorilla suit to reveal yeah. her costume like that is that is one of the wildest scenes uh, in film history I'll say it yeah. and as a kid wow. I just thought I like this this is what I've always wanted but yeah you put a kid you sit kid and be like all right Batman and Robin or the Dark Knight Rises like. The mm. Night Returns, you know, the Dark Knight. No, Dark Knight Rises. One of the, they rise. One of the moody Batman. Um, yeah, like, of course you're going to enjoy Batman and Robin so much more than. Yeah. Yeah. If someone said, "Do you want to watch um, the Dark Knight Rises or Batman and Robin?" I'm like, "Well, one of these has Alicia Silverstone and Uma Thurman in a cat fight, and so I'm going to pick that one." Obviously, that's the one I choose. <laughs> I love when the, I, they talked about this on um, another sh- another uh, podcast slash YouTube show called Movie Bitches. They talked about this with uh, with Katya, and they talked about whenever Alicia Silverstone is fighting Uma Thurman, it's just her like saying "Hi ya, ya, hi ya," <laughs> just like old like stereotypical video game sounds. Yes, yeah, I love it. I just love it. <laughs> it's not good i think even as a child i was like this plot doesn't make much sense but i'm into it i wasn't even thinking about that at that point i was just like i want to be uma thurman i want to be alicia silverstone oh my god well talk about that movie its budget was insane but there are times where that movie looks so both expensive and cheap all at the same time they spent every penny of that budget but in strange ways oh i mean well that movie i remember they talked about how a lot of the times um 
artistic decisions were not even made by the artist making the film. It'd be like the toy company be like, hey, here's what the car looks like. And they'd be like, oh, well, that's not what we're going to do. Like, well, that's what the toy looks like. So you have to look at the toy. So it was it was uh, Hollywood money talking. Yeah, I feel like uh, Star Wars falls into that category, too, of like, we've got to make the movie around the merch. Like, yeah. Oh, we've got these Ewok figures. We better <laughs> better make these cute. Well, and I sometimes I think that some of the especially like sequels that are not very good, sometimes it's like the third or fourth one in where they've all just made so much money that they now think they're invincible. Like, oh, well, this movie's going to make money because the, the audiences love these movies and they underestimate how much an audience will turn on you if your movie is not good. Like that that will happen to you. Not always. Not always, because there are some franchises where I'm like, wow, people are still going to see that. Yeah. Like a, like a Fast and the Furious series. Like, people love those fucking movies. Yeah. And I don't get it. Oh, well, it's like, if you love those movies, you're all in. Because those movies know what <laughs> they they're know doing. They know what they are, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched, I had to watch the tail end of one once, because I was watching American Horror Story, and it was on FX, and so I was playing the end of a Fast and Furious movie. And the end of the movie... It was just, I was like, okay, this is not for me. It was like all these rough and tough dudes on a rooftop with their girls having a big dinner. And then they were like, shall we pray? And they all like took hands to pray. And I was like, this is very not my culture at all. (laughs) All of this. Uh, so we we both or well, we all listen to how this get made, which is I think the first podcast I ever regularly listened to. Yeah. I remember that was the first one I really just fell in love with, and I still remember uh, my probably my still my favorite episode they've ever done was the Howard the Duck episode. Yeah, which is just like I think that was a case of I had not watched Howard the Duck since I was a child. So I didn't even barely remember it. And then hearing about it in, you know, because they, they go into the whole the whole origin of, like, what was going on with that movie. That movie is just bonkers. Did you ever actually watch that? No, no. no. We haven't watched that one. It's, it's wild. It's wild. And that's, okay, that's another thing with some bad movies. That movie just had a huge budget. And it was George Lucas who they thought, well, it's George Lucas. Like, he, we can trust George Lucas. He, you know, he's a, he makes big movies. And I think sometimes some bad movies come from artists that have made other, you know, hits, other good movies, and they get this stamp of like, we can trust you. But I think even the best artists in the world can uh, have bad instincts. Like, <laughs> even if they made very good movies in the past. They can just be going strong and wrong well, I think really aggressively. He's a great example of that because, I mean, we give him so much credit for Star Wars, but a lot of those movies are written by other people. And the ones that people like, well, you know, the better movies are the ones that are written by people that aren't George Lucas. Like, Oh, yeah. He's not a good writer. <laughs> I'll say it. Also, yeah. Also, like, just on that, I'm listening to The Newcomers where they rewatch Star Wars. And like mm-hmm. I I loved Jar Jar Binks when that movie came mm. out. <sighs> I just gotta say it. I just gotta say it. I can't. Well, I think hopefully as a director, as a writer, like you do bring your own sense of self 
to it. Like you're like, oh, yeah. this is a George Lucas movie. I had a very bad movie experience uh, because I went to see a Kevin Smith movie, um, oh. who I like. Uh, I like uh-huh. Kevin Smith. I like Clerks, but it was. It was like a day that I, it, I just wasn't having a good day. You know, it was just a bad day. Things weren't going well. And so I decided to go to the movies and just see a movie, um, be spontaneous, you know, and yeah. pull up to the theater and whatever is playing at the theater, that's what you go and see. And uh, I went to the theater. I bought my ticket. I went in, sat down, and I saw the movie Tusk. Oh. Kevin Smith's Tusk. Oh, well, I did. <laughs> oh no, I heard I've heard about it. Oh, it was well. Let me just read you the uh, the description on IMDb. Uh, a brash, arrogant podcaster gets more than he bargained for when he travels to Canada to interview a mysterious recluse who has a rather disturbing fondness for walruses. Um, and basically, Justin, I think it's Justin Long. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, gets uh, turned into a walrus, like uh, very much like gore horror. Um, yeah, not something I was into at all, but was just going to the movies and like maybe this will make me feel better. Uh, now, do you know the backstory with that movie? I think it was crowdfunded. Well, do you know like where like it was apparently? I think if I'm doing remembering correctly. It was literally just an idea for a movie he said offhandedly on a podcast. Uh-huh. And then the listeners were like, that sounds really cool, actually. And then they just made the movie. Yeah. And, like, um, Hilary Joe Osmond's in it, and Johnny <laughs> oh, a weird French-Canadian well, detective. His daughter's in it. And his do- right, right. And I think Kevin Smith's daughter? And Johnny and Depp's Johnny daughter. daughter. They're both in it together. Oh, shit. Okay. Like, uh, okay. They, and they they're like like best friends, of that, yeah. Which is like oh. a good example of like if you love Kevin Smith, that movie's for you. Because that's specifically who that's made for, right? You mention on a podcast and then you, right. enough people like it and you make the movie. For Alan, who was just looking for something to like make him feel better on a Tuesday, uh, it was one of the worst movie going decisions I've ever made. And you said you were a Kevin Smith fan? Oh yeah. I mean like I like Kevin Smith. I wouldn't like I, but I wasn't a fan enough to be aware of this movie. You know, that's... Uh-huh. Oh, oh, right. Well, that's true. Like, limit of <laughs> that's my fair. Life, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, I like Clerks. Uh, and... When Kevin Smith has gone on a whole journey as a filmmaker, like, it's... it's They've been all over the map in terms of quality. Uh, what is that? Dogma? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dogma's... Okay. I haven't watched that in so long. Probably not since high school. Oh. I just remember uh, Alanis Morissette plays God. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, so Alan, Rick, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, Selma Hayek. Um, of course, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Um, I love Dogma, and there are scenes from it that are shot. A uh, Chris Rock. There are scenes from it that are shot in uh, Pittsburgh. So that oh, was cool. always. Oh wow. That was always one that was filmed, or that was planned at our anything that was filmed in Pittsburgh, we watched. Right. Um, and now, you know, Zach and Miri make a porno they made in Pittsburgh, uh, and my two friends uh, from high school uh, were in it. They're the two. Oh, wow. yeah. Also, Kevin Smith, like to look at Kevin Smith, he's not like for me. Right. Like, I don't think he's making movies for me when he's making them. Um, and so it's not even a thing where I hold that against him, but it's just like 
when I see a Kevin Smith film, I immediately go, eh, I don't need to watch that. Right. And not because it's going to be a bad movie, just it's it's not for you. It wasn't made with, with you in mind. Well, and his, his older movies, they have a lot of jokes that veer towards the homophobic, like whether he meant to or not, where I'm just like, ugh, I don't like this. Yeah. Um, which, you know, nothing, I don't hold against them, whatever. It's just like, you know, he's, I don't think he's thinking about a gay, uh, clientele when he's making his films and that's perfectly like understandable in a way, but, uh, just, yeah, I, I liked, I liked Clerks, I remember at the time and I even liked, um, uh, what was the one he made that I actually liked, uh, oh, Chasing, Chasing Amy, Chasing oh. Amy. Yeah. Yeah, and like I liked Mall Rats also. I did like Mall Rats. But I think yeah, a lot of those movies fall under the curse of Ace Ventura or like the curse of the nineties homophobia. Let's be real. Or and Oh, I mean, yeah. Um and like going back and watching them. I think that can be a criteria for a bad movie. Is it homophobic? It's a bad movie. Well, I mean, for me, yeah, like it's like there are some movies where I just go, I don't hold this against them. It was a different time. But that being said, I do not want to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't think I could ever watch Ace Ventura Pet Detective ever again because of that transphobic ending. Like, it's just like, uh, to watch the clip of it in that documentary disclosure, I was like, oh my god, I do not remember this. Yeah. But we had holy a, cow. We had a very similar thing to Zeke Smith, who talks about, uh, talks about it in the documentary. Yeah, where we were just putting it on because we were like, "Oh, we liked this movie a lot and hadn't seen it in a long time." And then it got to the ending, and you're just kind of dumbstruck, like right. because uh. you no, know, you didn't remember the details, but it's just something that was so present and so awful. And honestly, when you see like where film had been, feels like backtracking. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like right, there was right. like this height of, um transphobia in the not like something takes off in the 90s and you have like these violent reactions to this like discovering or even thinking about a trans character that i think they they cited when it kind of started but like it it almost well yeah yeah, they talk about that period it was like that our uh soap dish Mm uh 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 the naked gun like uh like there was lots of films having weird weird transphobic material in it that's really not aged well at all yeah yeah that was a great it goes from like the beginning of film and traces it all the way through and when you see it all laid out it's it's very i yeah i would recommend anybody watch that documentary yeah oh i've been recommending it to anybody who will listen because i think even me like i thought i was a pretty good uh advocate or whatever but there was entire sections of film history where I went, oh, I never knew about that. Or just the idea, it's such a like basic idea when you think about it now, but you think, well, yeah, the reason people don't know how to connect to, tr- or a lot of people don't know how to connect to trans people is because they haven't even been exposed to uh, humanized portrayals of trans people before in film, you know, because it just hasn't happened. It's starting to like sort of happen now. Um, it still needs to happen more and quicker. But you look at, yeah, like Ace Ventura, huge movie, huge Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. And there were writers in a room going, oh, you know what would be really funny? You know what would be really funny? 
if we find out that the one character is trans and they humiliate her at the end like it's that it's insane to me that they wrote that and shot it and edited it and put it into theaters and it never got cut it's insane to me we see insane a bigger shift in television than we do in film like film like film is a little bit slower to to transition um in the way that they're thinking um versus tv which is like i i guess easier to make less money required um and just more of it right there's more platforms um and so we see that uh that awareness coming to tv shows before we see it coming to the theater near you well i think what's going to help in film is as i I think it's just naturally it's happening this year because of COVID, but I think it's also just happening in the film industry in general is as films are more streaming based and less movie theater based. I don't think there will be as much of a conversation about, well, we couldn't make that movie because no one would go see it because now that's, it's not exactly the same market as it used to be. Right. And I also think it's, it's as unfortunate, but sometimes I think progress comes from people finally like, thinking they won't lose money by making something like if they go oh we can be seen as progressive and liberal if we have more diversity which is it's kind of gross that that's where it's based in but you know at least it makes diversity happen but i think like nowadays especially like younger audiences which is what movies are usually being catered towards they are more forward thinking and want to see their version of their reality on screen i think that's why we're starting to see like more diversity now as opposed to even like 10 years ago Hello there, this is Stephen Rice. And Brandon Rice. Better known as Mr. and Mr. Mr. Rice. And we know that Mondays can be killer. So we are here to explore that. With our podcast, Murder Mondays, you'll get your fill of thrills and chills. Real spooky stuff, no matter what time of the year it is. If you're obsessed with all the true gritty details of true crime murder stories, then this is the podcast for you. So join us every Monday as we explore chilling murder stories. It sure is going to be a scream. So it's just a slow shift. Yeah. Yeah. From a very, from a very white, very straight Hollywood, which has never been the case. Right. Um, I mean, no, it's, it's truly fascinating how like, you know, classic Hollywood, there were all sorts of gay actors around and, you know, trans people, but they just were not allowed to be portrayed on screen. Like they just they were not allowed to be portrayed. Ugh. Oh, well, so last thing I want to sort of go into is the connection between bad movies and like midnight cult culture with like films like when an an audience somehow takes a bad movie and makes it like successful by becoming like a like a midnight phenomenon like a like a the room or like the rocky horror picture show yeah it becomes like a culture around the movie like you're joined together by your disgust and admiration. Well, and I think yeah. it has to get, I think both definitely with The Room and Rocky Horror, like everybody who 
was were making that those movies cared. Like they're giving you <laughs> yeah, performance yeah. and they're giving you I think it's like they're giving you a true expression and I think mm. It's one of those things where, like, when somebody is being a vulnerable weirdo, like, other vulnerable weirdos are mm. going to connect to that. That's really good, yeah. Even if, even if it is bad, because it's, like, someone genuinely putting themselves out there. Right. And they're not cynical. They're not, like, cynical films. Yeah. Yeah. First, like, The Room. Like, Tommy Wiseau really was, like, making a passion project, right. you know? Yeah, and I think that might be the key ingredient is, like, is passion, right? And even if something you know, your camera operator isn't the best, but like there's still passion on the screen, like that translates through. Um, one of, I I have another uh, childhood movie that like is a movie that I love, very passionate about, but other people don't love. Um, it's called The Magical Legend of the Leprechauns. Oh. Another Hallmark movie. Um, <laughs> and it is a movie that I feel like everybody's fully committed to it. Um, and it's not, it's not a great movie, but mm. I loved it as a kid and like going back and watching it now, I'm like, I still love this. This is still a great movie. Um, yeah. Stars Randy Quaid. Oh God. <laughs> and it's basically the, um, it's basically Romeo and Juliet. It's Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, but with fairies and leprechauns. And it's another movie that like, and you know, the, the um, CGI isn't great. Cause it's like from the nineties, but it's one of those movies that I yeah love then and love now because everybody in it just, it seems like wants to be there, you know? Well, yeah. Like I think we talked about this for a second, the last time we all hung out, but I remember as a child, we, my parents uh, or all of us, my whole family, we watched the, um, I don't know if younger people even know what I'm talking about, but they were called the Ernest, the Ernest movies. It was like Ernest scared stupid. Ernest goes to jail. Ernest saves Christmas. Um, And we found out it literally came from like a regional commercial character that, that he used to play. But I think those movies, when you watch them, they're so like purely made, like they're, it's such a like pure idea with his character. Like there's nothing like hateful, or um like cynical about his character and everyone's everyone's uh so like authentically playing their characters in these i mean they're garbage movies it's pretty real but I would, um but they're so pure on halloween i would go to a midnight showing of Ernest scared stupid with a bunch of other i would love to go to a midnight <laughs> screening of Ernest scared stupid yeah, that would be a movie that i would go to a midnight screen of because it it has that it has that heart right you gotta have heart yeah well, oh, it has Eartha Kitt. And Eartha Kitt. You can't go wrong. You gotta have Eartha Kitt. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I just, for me, it's like a lot of, a lot of like the bad movies that I connected with, it was like, I was a kid. And it's like, it doesn't matter. They're associated with good memories. Yeah. They were right. I mean, yeah. It, like, for sure. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Yeah. High. <gasps> oh, um, starting out with that skate montage at the beginning. Um, well, they first they go skydiving. Right, they go skydiving, and yeah, the music. But is, then they no, but then they skateboard. And then they skateboard. They rollerblade. I think they land on skateboards or something. Like I remember it being like, oh, and now they're skateboarding. Yeah, and then they skateboard somewhere. I Ivan Ooze, like just an amazing <gasps> Ivan Ooze. Um, 
And then uh, one that I don't think anybody, I don't know if anybody else is going to have seen this, but it's a movie called oh. Rats, R-A-T-P. <laughs> and my mom doesn't even remember renting this for me, but I didn't ask to watch it. Like she brought this home for me for Blockbuster sometime. And Oh, that, my mom did that a lot. <laughs> it was about two teenage girls um, who are kind of uh, losers and they need <laughs> dates for the spring fling. And then the thrift store where they work, the woman gets a magical box and they put the rats in the box and then the rats turn into their dates for the oh spring boy. fling. Oh no. Um, and it's, I loved it. Like I have so many clear memories. I just found out it's all on YouTube. It's from 2000. Um, 2000. And okay. it's got uh, one of the girls, I'm sure you would recognize because she ended up coming on to Glee in later seasons. Oh. and oh she was who um she looks like ari uh gainer but it's not i because she popped oh. in a bunch of things like in the early 2000s she was in the movie waiting if you've seen that oh the hostess in waiting and then she was on glee in like the later years who'd she play on glee oh i don't it was after i stopped watching but i was like oh she's oh, fair. Now. good for her um <laughs> good for rats lady uh vanessa lenges oh she was sugar mata oh yeah for sure i remember her yeah this is like this probably is like one of her earliest movies and it's uh it's oh yeah she had the lead role in the showtime film rats rats yep Um, wow yeah i think i mean i think rats could do it i think with the wow she's done a lot of bad movies (laughs) she was also in the perfect man with hillary duff and heather locklear Oh wow! Oh yeah! Wow! I think well, this is fascinating. For it to become like a cult classic, it has to be around for a while. So I think Rats. I mean, it's twenty at this point could fit in there. But like something like Rocky Horror. I mean, when was that? Like the seventies? Yeah, seventy-seven. I think it's been around for a long. I mean, long enough that we have like a essentially a sequel or a, a making. There was a sequel, yeah, called Shock Treatment. <laughs> there's a li- i was uh, talking about uh disaster artists there's a literal oh there's a oh. sequel to the room oh i thought you meant rocky horror i thought you said rocky horror oh yeah well like all those classic movies have been around for a while so like enough people it sort of has to be in theaters and then like it disappears for a while and then you watch it at home and then you find each other and you're like oh you like this bad movie too and then you get the movie theater. You know, it's like, it's mm-hmm. sometimes like a long process. Like um, something that came out in 2018, it doesn't have, it hasn't had a chance to become a classic yet. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it needs time to like become, yeah, that movie where you go, oh my God, have you seen this wild movie? Right. You have to see it. But what's funny about The Room is when you watch it, if someone just played The Room for me and said, okay, when do you think this movie was made? I would be like, mm, like 90 1990 yeah mm-hmm. but it was made in like what 2007 three three yeah but still like that movie looks like a late 80s early 90s movie it looks like garbage yeah oh it looks i'm like this is from ages ago but- and, and then that's my favorite type of bad movie which is the bad movie where it's so bad that you can't even comprehend how someone put it on film and went yep looks good you're like this cut print moving on. Time. Um, like one again. If people haven't watched the room, first of all, 
amazing movie. But also watch the movie The Disaster Artist, which is about the making of the movie The Room, which is almost <laughs> better than the movie The Room. I don't know. Uh, in terms of like how wild the behind the scenes story is. Well, I think you gotta see the first one to understand like how Well, sure, yeah. You gotta see the room to understand like how closely they really play it to what it is. Sure, um, yeah. But everybody who makes the disaster artist loves the room. Like they oh, yeah. have a love for like the authenticity of it. And I like I, Melissa McCarthy said like she, Tommy Wiseau actually went like door to door selling VHS copies of the room and wow. she bought one. Like he just came to her door and she was like, okay, sure, man. Like, you know, well, and now that movie has made a profit like over the years because it's become such a midnight like that's what's fascinating like a lot of these bad movies are like huge financial failures of course but then when it gets into like midnight film culture they actually end up making a profit sometimes like years later well and like what other movie from what would you say 2007 like what other 2003 like what other movie are we watching from 2003 you know that going back and being like we should see this again um well, I watch Mona Lisa smile sometimes. <laughs> Gotta go back. Gotta go back. Yeah, it it's it does take some time though. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the rules a decade. Maybe it has to be out for that long before it can sort of loop back around again and become something. I think it just depends. Yeah, I think it depends because like then you look at like Sharknado, and that was like instantly a cult classic. Right. Well, and in the I think the first one, the first, the original Sharknado um they didn't know right i mean they knew they like all right this is for sci-fi it's sharknado but like everybody played it real real straight like it was um not completely over the top and then they realize oh people actually like this and then by like sharknado (laughs) 6 it's time travel and oh yeah um, well I, i've only seen the first um the first one and then you said you must watch sharknado 6 yeah and so i i did uh watch it and it was so it was like i i could even say like is it still a bad movie because they clearly knew exactly what movie it was mm-hmm. well and then you've got and i wouldn't say it's good but i also it was one of the funniest movies i've watched in a long time oh yeah i mean they just with this, I mean, you should really just watch one then six. Although I, you know, there's wild things in all of them, but six is just like the height of like where they took it, where they started. Oh, the time travel. The time travel, the robots, the clones, the floating heads, the drag queens. The drag- okay, any movie that has Tara Reid as a robot head that's shooting out lasers from her eyes and saying like, "Hurry!" Well, either, um fix the fabric of time or we'll cease to exist i'm like this is it this is a movie for me nailed it you knew exactly what we wanted and you gave it to us yeah the one the last justice for tara reed <laughs> the um the other bad movie i want to talk about because i know both of you and i have a love for this one zach is troop beverly hills that- is that a- Oh, is that a bad movie? I oh. I think it was. I, Zach, you're so upset. Zach, I think it was banned oh. by critics. I don't. Oh, <laughs> this is where I think personal bias comes in because me, I'm like, well, that's not a bad movie. 
Uh, oh, but I do love that movie. I can't even. Oh, I love it so much. When you said that, I literally went, oh, "What?" I know. Well, because my I asked my mom um, what bad movies I used to watch when I was a kid, just to see if like any popped up, and she was like, "Oh, Troop Beverly Hills. You watched oh, it? How dare time?" Um, and the fashion actually. So finding out, doing a little research costume designer obviously the costumes in that movie are iconic and i would oh amazing i would like to watch that movie soon for the record oh yeah yeah um is theodora von runkel from pittsburgh my hometown oh. but also did the costumes for like the godfather and bonnie oh. Clyde. Oh, wow. Um, oh wow and then funny enough also a movie called the butcher's wife which was also directed by terry hughes who also directed mrs santa wow. claus oh wow that was just a fun well, that I made. But any like the costumes in that are iconic. Like I would watch that movie and over and over again. I was a Girl Scout. I loved all the fashion. Like I, I wanted to be a Girl Scout. I was just a Cub Scout. I think that's the mark of a good movie. If you're like, I want to be that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my sister was a Girl Scout, and I had to be a Cub Scout. And I remember thinking, like, man, they get to sell cookies and wear those cute uniforms. I have to go make a fort out of twigs in the woods. <laughs> What a ripoff. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Ugh. Well, though I do remember, I think I remember once my sister, they had to like go camping outside and they had dug a hole for them to use the bathroom in. So it wasn't all glamour. I wasn't part of a troop that did that. Here's, here's your shithole. I mean, I'm making up a memory, but I swear this happened. Like, I swear this. this and I grew up in white trash America. So, like, it's very possible it happened. Um, but I think the bad movie I probably watched the most as a, especially like a preteen teen was, um, the film version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer starring Christy Swanson, uh, which is not a good movie. When I make that clear, not a good movie, but it's also an amazing movie. The movie's before the TV show, right? Yeah. Because what it was is Joss Whedon, who also did the TV show, he wanted to make Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he wrote the script and it was supposed to be like darkly comedic, like the TV show, like, you know, very much of that genre. And then the film uh, company that was making it said, Can you make it more like a teen comedy, like something that teens would want to go see? Like, they don't want to go see something so dark. Like, make it funnier. Can we make it like funnier? And so it's just like, I know Sam is not intensely into like horror things. But I absolutely promise you that you could watch this movie and not for a single moment would you be um, feeling fear in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's it's amazing. It has like Paul Rubens, aka Pee Wee Herman, as like a vampire, which is great. Um, it has like Donald Sutherland as her, as her like trainer slash watcher. And it's just like, like on, like on Buffy, when they stake a vampire, they turn into dust. Uh-huh. But in the movie, when they stake a vampire, they're just dead. And they're just a big old dead body. Just like <laughs> there with a hole in its chest now. Um, and it's just not a good movie. Like, not a good movie. But I watched that movie so much. So, so, so much. Because I also had a weird thing for Christy Swanson. Because she was like... She was in that movie. She was in this really bad movie called The Phantom that came out in like 96. It was like based on a on a comic a comic book character. Um not good. It was her and Billy Zane. Not not good. Not good. 
And she, and I just, I, again, she was in Mannequin 2. And I was obsessed with Mannequin 2. So I thought she was a movie star. Yeah, we did love Mannequin 2. I had a great time. I was, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, how is this a bad movie? Well, I mean, yeah. And why? Why, why you gotta, why you gotta call it bad? I just had, why you gotta do that? Time. I love that they were doing um, dance routines at that mall. Um, <laughs> I just loved like the ne- the necklace of everything. When she like, put on that necklace, she would turn to that mannequin. That movie was wild. Do you think a lot of bad movies are like supernatural? Like Buffy is like not you know in this world. I think supernatural can go into camp very easily. Yes, once you get magic involved, because you have to have rules. Like the rules have to be there, yeah. and like the universe has to have rules that make sense that you follow. And I think that's. Uh, something that's well, not committed to a lot well and what i love about buffy is it's so quintessential 90s because like the names in it are such 90s celebrities because it's like christy swanson luke perry <laughs> uh young david arquette like it's it's such like uh a hillary swank in one of her first movies like it's <laughs> like if you watch buffy the vampire slayer and you look at hillary swank and you go see that girl right there that girl, she's gonna be a two-time Oscar winner. You would have been like, <laughs> "All right, cool. yeah, right, great." I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, it's it's a we need to watch it. It's a wild movie. Yeah, that sounds fun. It's very fun. It, it's 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 <laughs> it's very not scary and it's uh very not good, but I enjoy it. I haven't watched it actually in a long time, so I would love to watch that movie. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Aaron Holman host of Eye to Eye, a weekly podcast talk show all about passion. I have this passion and this fire within me that burns brighter than the fire around me. Flo. With performing, there's always a story to tell, whether it's my own or not. Creativity. I go, he's more than cute, he's creative. All with an LGBT twist. Make sure to check out Eye to Eye, that's E-Y-E, number two, letter I. And rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in today. And we're back. Now, audience, if you have listened to this show before, you might notice that there are a lot of games and a lot of trivia. And if there is something you should know about me, it is that I have always, ever since I was a child, loved game shows, even more specifically, vintage game shows, and to be really, really specific, the newlywed game. I couldn't have a couple on my show and not take the opportunity to craft my own royalty-free version of a game that this game is very similar to, but I will not be naming names or using any copyrighted music because that would get me in trouble. So this is just the matchy-matchy couple game. Direct from Quarantine America comes everyone's favorite socially distant copyright-free game show, The Matchy Matchy Couple Game. On today's episode, we have real-life couple Alan Law and Samantha LeBrock. Now here's your host, definitely not me, other person, Zachary Landold. (laughs) 
Hello, I'm your host Zachary Landolt, and this is the Matchy Matchy Couple Game. The game where we take a real-life couple and we find out just how well they know each other, especially after a few months in quarantine. <laughs> now, on today's show, we have friends of the program Alan Law and Samantha LeBrock, real-life couple, and we gave them both the same questions to answer, and they had to guess what their partner would say their answer was to each question. Do you understand the rules? Great! We'll see if I do too! Now, let's play the Matchy Matchy Couple Game! Now, who wants to go first? Uh, Sam or Alan? Uh, I'll go first. Okay, here we go. So, to make this clear for the audience, I have given Alan these questions ahead of time, and I have his answers. He will now guess what he thinks uh samantha said for this and then i will give uh the actual answer that she uh gave me okay alan are you ready Ready. question number one i asked her what is alan's go-to comfort food oh um eggs is that your final answer yeah she actually said nuts slash trail mix question mark Slash, he doesn't really do comfort food, would probably go outside. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's okay. uh, I'll give her that one. I do eat a okay. lot of mix. Yeah. Well, okay. Oh, Question think. number two. Okay. What music does he listen to the most? Um, classic rock. She said oldies. I'm going to consider that a match. Hey, yeah. Question number three. What is Alan's best trait? Um, I am kind. Oh, three. His kindness and open mind. A match. Question number four. What is Alan's worst habit? Um, sleeping in and making Sam feed the cats. She said leaving wet towels all over the place. Oh, she hates it because I hang them up over the doors. He puts them everywhere. Mm. Question number five. Who is more likely to deal with a spider? Me, definitely. Yes, that's a match. Question number six. Who is the tidiest? I would say her. Oh, she said you. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Question number seven. Um, What is uh, Alan's favorite thing about Samantha? Uh, my favorite thing about Sam is, oh, can I, what, is her, uh, like, supportive friendship? Mm, lovely. Yes. Not the answer. She said her ambition or passion. Oh, yeah, that's also true. <laughs> uh, what is Alan's favorite movie? Uh, the Princess Bride. Uh, there we go. Got a match. Got a match. Question number nine. What is the first movie you two saw together? Okay, I'll tell you what I said for my answer for this one. Um, And I know it's not right. Uh, But I said La La Land. (laughs) Well, now she knows the answer to number nine. Is it it right? Um, She said Moulin Rouge, I think, but probably something at the Bruin View. Yeah, Yeah. because we watched, it was like, we watched that while you were house-sitting before. Mm -mm -mm. Um, and last question, number 10. 
What is their favorite bad movie that you two have watched together? Probably Sharknado 6. She said My Demon Lover. Ah, that was a really good one, too. But a a solid good try. Okay, thank you. A solid solid number of matches, I would say. We can stick together. (laughs) And now it is Samantha's turn. I'm ready. So, same questions. Number one, go-to comfort food. Oh, that he would say for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cake. He said oh. buttered noodles, or as he said, buttered nudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah, that's fair. It depends yeah. on the day with us. Sometimes we're... Yeah, you know. Oh, same. <laughs> Every day a different craving. My mom did tell a story where she used to um put me sit me on the floor when I was a kid and put like towels down and just pour buttered noodles on my head and I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Question number two. uh, Music that you listen to the most. Uh, um, Is it, is it a genre? It's a genre. He did say an artist, not a genre. Okay. Well, Oh, I remember what I thought. Okay. My guess is that it's going to be the weekend because whenever the weekend comes, I'm blinded by the lights come on, I just start running around the apartment. He said Beyonce. Oh, yeah. That was going to see. That was going to be my second guess. But Didn't get it, though. Well, I was just like, <laughs> oh, my. I guess I'm in a, a mindset of, you know. Question number three. Uh, what is uh, your best trait? What did he say? Oh, well, I guess, I guess now. You know this because I said it. My supportive friendship. Yeah. Oh, we got a match. (laughs) (laughs) Question number four. What is your worst habit? Oh, I don't rip off. Like when a package has a tear away, I don't rip it all the way off. We got a match. We got a match. (laughs) She knows. Said leaving rip off tabs on. No, I I just, I tear it all the way. So it's just hanging off. And he's like, why do you do this? Five. Who is more likely to deal with a spider? What did he say? Him. There we go. Uh, who is the tidiest? I guess he thinks I'm the tidiest. That, that, that's it. Number seven. What is <laughs> what is his favorite thing about you? His favorite thing. Wait. I thought that Your was. Your favorite thing about me. Oh, that was a, No, what? Oh, that was. Oh. I meant what is your favorite thing about Sam? Oh, okay. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I meant, read them. I'm sorry. No, it was okay. uh, Yeah, well, no, what is... I, I, I read the answer in a way where I felt like it said a different thing. What is your favorite thing about him? What, what, did, what did Alan say? What's your favorite thing about him? His butt. <laughs> That's it. Seven, my butt. Uh, eight, what did he say your favorite movie is? Ooh, this is a Drop Dead Gorgeous. He said Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a good one. But it's not correct? No. <laughs> well, number nine, I guess you already know, but was what did he say was the first movie you two saw together? He did say La La Land. I was trying so hard to remember movies we watched early on, and I just couldn't. And last one, I guess, here, but what did he say the favorite bad movie you two watched together? Sharknado 6. Yeah. We got a match, though. <laughs> bad movie journey one of the first bad movies that we watched too yeah i mean it's just like so, consciously yeah. well and it's just mm. that one is so there's not a it doesn't drag because it's just stays at 10 the whole time yeah oh you could just watch sharknado 6 without watching any of the other sharknados yeah <laughs> 
Oh, I agree because I've only seen parts of the first one, and I watched that, and I was I was fine. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> well, Alan and Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the Matchy Matchy Couple Game. Now you got just enough right answers today to win the grand prize, which is each other. And I hope the audience had a wonderful time, and we will see you here next time on the Matchy Matchy Couple Game. I am your host, Zachary Landolt, and now, back to the rest of the program. So, a closing segment that I do with everyone is, I ask, who is the last actress who made you feel something? Whoever wants to go first. Oh, well, okay. So I was watching um, clips of Mrs. Santa Claus <laughs> last night um, to prepare, uh, to remind myself. And so it would have to be Angela Lansbury um, because she is so, I mean, that musical connection is like something deeper than just like watching somebody acting on screen right to mm-hmm. also sing and dance um but she is just in that movie she's so i mean she's so matronly right she's like a mother to all of these people um but she also like reclaims her identity as mrs claus and like wow she finally goes back when she finally gets back to the north pole and santa's like i am so sorry i have taken you for granted all these years come with me in the sleigh and we'll take your route that you designed. Wow. Go deliver all these presents together. Um, so Angela Lansbury. Lovely. I would say Emily Browning, who plays Laura Moon on American Gods. Uh, mm. She was also um, the lead in Sucker Punch. And uh, she was- Was in- she the one from um, uh, Lemony Snicket? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they really expanded the character of Laura Moon. And I think she she just, I I really like the way that she like has expanded this character who kind of only shows up a couple times in the book and like Mm -hmm. really made her a powerful part of the show. And she's, she's really awesome. Yeah. Wow. And for me, I have probably an unexpected choice, which is for whatever reason, I don't know how this happened, but somehow uh, me and my roommate Maximilian, uh, you know, Max oh, yeah. Uh We have been binge watching the show Hannibal that aired on NBC. Uh, only three seasons. And little did I know, I think if I knew she was on the show, I probably would have watched it when it was on. Uh, Jillian Anderson shows up on Hannibal. And when she first shows up on the show, she has a very minor, a minor role. It's it's not that big. and But she was still like fabulous. But in the last season, she becomes like a series regular and she's like in like almost every episode. And she just has this like cool, collected, uh, just, uh, it's just, she's so perfect with her subtlety. And she's just also the fashion that she's giving on that show. She just always looks like the hair's perfect, the makeup's perfect, the dresses are perfect. She, looks phenomenal i watch it i'm like you're 46 in this like truly bonkers like looks phenomenal so uh yeah mine is jillian anderson 
on the show Hannibal, a show that Sam could not watch. <laughs> she it is one of the most violent shows I have ever oh. ever seen in my entire life. She's also um, it, season of America. It made me think that Dexter was not that bad. Wow. Yeah, it's and anytime you think, oh, they're not gonna show it, they show it and you think, how is this on NBC? How? Like, I don't get it. So don't watch it. Okay. Okay. She's also on the first American Gods. <laughs> Julian Anderson? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, maybe I have to watch a show. Uh, the showrunner, they switched showrunners for season two and she left with them, but she's in the first season and she's great. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch. And so um, to just wrap up the show in a bow, if you had to put one bad movie as like the the best, your favorite bad movie in, into the Hall of Dishonor, if you will, what would be your pick? Uh, the Magical Legend of the Leprechauns. Mm. Because I actively try to get people to watch it. Yeah, uh, you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might. I might. Uh, and Sam? I mean, my Christmas movies are very near and dear to me. Um, yeah, I think I think probably Holly's Holiday. I think that one. All right. Of all time, though, of all the bad movies in the world, Spice World. No. What, We're not calling that bad. It's like, what do you? It's like, what do you mean? Like. Is this one that beyond the canons that like we add to it, or like the one that we're like you should definitely watch this one? Yeah. What do you want more people? What movie would you want other people to see? You're like you gotta watch this, even though it's terrible. Or I just think no. I mean, if it's your favorite bad movie, that's that is the only criteria for this. I think I think I would say my demon lover, like that mm. one. All right, it's really. It's really wild. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we had a great time watching. It. We had a great time watching it. It's almost like horror or fantasy too. Like, <laughs> um, it's really wild and really bad. Really bad. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's confusing. But like, enjoyed the whole time. I like anything. Yeah, for me, I want it to be. I'm less like a bad. Um, bad action movie and more bad fantasy rom-com that's Mm -hmm. those are my faves see and mine i have a double answer so i think if actually someone said like what is you i think the worst movie i've ever watched and i just enjoyed it from how awful it was it would probably be the room like if that was the criteria but in terms of like what is actually your favorite bad movie to watch I think it would actually be Showgirls. Oh, wow. Okay. Because that movie is true. Just a little quick trivia about Showgirls. That movie is so bonkers that there are scenes where they digitally drew on like um, tops onto the girls' uh, bare breasts because they were told there was too much nudity in the film. Oh, my God. And that they were going to be getting close to an NC-17 rating. So there are scenes where you're like, that top looks weird. And it's because it's digitally drawn onto their bodies. (laughs) It's just a wild movie. So uh, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you on social media? 
Uh, I'm at Samantha LeBrock on Instagram, L-E-B-R-O-C-Q. And you can find me at my own grandpa. Uh, Great content. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, I often feel like I am my own grandpa. Uh, it's funny I know, but it really is so. It's unintended. It's 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 great comedy. It's it's great social media content. <laughs> and I always wonder, like, what's going through Alan's mind? Does he know how subversively funny this is? <laughs> yeah, I don't post a lot, but I try to go for quality over quantity. Oh, they they you make the the posts count. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I hope you two had a fun time. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great to talk about bad movies. We're going to go watch Oh, I mean, I had so many I didn't even know. I didn't even mention I Know Who Killed Me starring Lindsay Lohan and Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. We're going to go watch Kazam. Watch what? We're going to watch Kazam. Oh, Kazam. Oh, I used to love that movie. Also awful. <laughs> Can't wait. And thank you again to Alan Law and Samantha LeBrock for coming on the show and talking about all the bad movies. I'm sure we will all have watched a couple of new ones by the time this episode has even aired. So to the listeners, I just want to say thank you for supporting the pod. And if you could, please rate and review the podcasts on Apple Podcast, iTunes Store, all that fun stuff. I hate asking to do this. I always feel so needy, but it really does help with new shows for the algorithm numbers, blah, 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 blah. Thank you. For, thank you so much for all your support. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at in another world pod or on Twitter at IAW podcast, or you can even find our YouTube channel. If you ever just want to listen to the episodes while you're scrolling through the internet on your computer, whatever you want to do um, in the future, I am thinking of having video versions of some of the episodes available on the YouTube channel. So Make sure to keep an eye out for that, and I will also let you guys know when I've started posting that content. Well, I hope you all had a fun time with us on this journey, and I will see all... Well, I won't see you. (laughs) I will feel your presence next time on In Another World. I'm your host, Zachary Landolt, and I never know how to end a show, so bye. Bye.